Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today with a very special guest, we have multi-instrumentalist for Keith Urban, Nathan Barlow. From fronting the pop rock band Luna Halo in the early 2000s to having songs recorded by Taylor Swift, Steven Tyler, and Keith Urban, Nathan has seen so many different aspects of the industry, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you at the end. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today, we have Nathan Barlow, multi-instrumentalist for Keith Urban. Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing real good. So getting right into your story, where did you grow up, and how did you first get introduced to music? Uh, I was born in North Carolina, and um, shortly after that, lived in Dallas, Texas for five or six years. And then we moved to Virginia. So most of my you know, years were in Virginia, in Lynchburg. and I. Um, uh, my family played music from the time I was a baby. So I was singing harmonies by the time I was five. Wow. So that's how I grew up in the, in the church. My dad was a preacher. So that's how it started. Did you play in the worship band growing up then, I assume? I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I started on drums. And then uh, as I got older, moved to guitar. Nice. So in high school, did you have any bands in your local area or were you mostly just playing in church at that time? I started uh, my own band. I think the first band was called Joy Expression or something like that. And it was pretty much just me and this other kid. And so, um, and uh, yeah, I was always trying to do like the alternative rock thing. Just really loved that. So. Gotcha. So out of high school, did you go to college or did you go right into forming uh, your first band reality check? Um. So I went to uh, a college in my town called Liberty University, and I lasted one semester or maybe half a semester. (laughs) And uh, I just always knew what I wanted to do since I was a kid. So like, I just basically told my parents, I'm wasting your money here. So, um, so yeah, I I just left and uh, started a a band and I I met some guys there, uh, which eventually became a reality check. What did those first few years on the road look like for you? Rough. (laughs) Um, None of us had any money, broke college students. Um, So getting getting gigs didn't seem that hard back then, but getting to the gigs was really hard. So, you know, there were no cell phones. There were, yeah, I don't even think you could look up directions on a computer. We'd have to like get the Atlas map out and like, you know, how how old I am, yeah. Um, And so, Sometimes we'd be in two separate cars and you've lost each other. And, you know, one, one time I remember we got there, my car got there two hours before the other car. And then you're worried something happened and then the show's about to start and you haven't sound checked. And so it was always something like that. We, we rented a box, a U-Haul box truck one time for an overnight trip and four of us put sleeping bags in the back and the other two drove. And then every time they'd take a corner, we'd all slide to one side. Like, <laughs> Pretty wild times. Wow. So then out of Reality Check, you kind of transitioned uh, a few of your members into Rock Luna, and you kind of made a transition from uh, Christian Contemporary into Rock. What did that uh, look like for you, and was that like your decision kind of to change genres? Yeah. um, So I started Luna Halo, and then um, we, I just kind of grown tired of the Christian music industry for myself. I, I, I think whatever you choose to do in your life, you know, that that's your path. Um, and I respect anybody that wants to do that. But for me personally, I felt like we had some bigger goals and, um, musically. And so I wanted to be in an, 
just the best possible band I could be in with the best people and the best producer and you know all that stuff. So so yeah, we left and just started over again and started playing clubs for no money again. So like, yeah, started from scratch all over. Now uh, your band had a song that Taylor Swift ended up recutting, right? Yeah. Yeah, so quickly, the Luna Halo story is that um, we were playing a club here in town called 12th and Porter. Scott Borchetta that runs Big Machine Music saw us there, flipped out, gave us, he is head of a country label, so he couldn't help us in that way, but he did give us money to make a demo. And oh, so wow. we got to go in with a professional producer, make a demo. Um, that demo got in the hands of Rick Rubin in LA, and Rick Rubin wanted to sign the band. So that's how we got our record deal with Rick. Um, so that lasted five or six years because we were at Warner Brothers under him. Then we went to Columbia and then finally released our record, uh, which was self-titled. And um, um, so Taylor got a hold of that song from Scott Rochetta. He played it for her and she was like, I want to do a cover of this. Um, so she did it on a TV show first called Stripped and it was just her and the guitar and it sounded just like it did, you know, did on the record. Mm -hmm. um, and what happened is it became a YouTube sensation and all these people were doing covers of it. And so then she did it on Saturday Night Live. And I, I guess everyone at the label was like, you gotta record this. So she put it on the, on the Fearless Platinum Edition. So it was a game changer for me. What was your reaction when you heard her more ballad take on the song compared to your guys's more rock version of it i was shocked at first <laughs> i was like what does she do to the song you know like because that's nothing like ours you know i mean the, the melody on the chorus is the same but um uh then i just like the more i listened to it i fell in love with it I, I, she's so creative and so talented and just so good at what she does and the fact you get to hear somebody else's song and do it justice like by not completely changing it but changing it enough to make it yours um she's really talented so I, I love it so as a songwriter between the version that was released in 2009 and taylor's version released in 2021 uh what's your favorite version of the song i like the newer version the taylor's version um, yeah yeah the reason is it's a little more upbeat meaning uh not really tempo wise but just like there's the drums are louder there you know i don't even know if, i don't remember if there were drums on the first version but like that one the first version seemed a lot more mellow to me and this seems like it has a little more you know angst to it which you know she's having to re-record all her records so you can see why <laughs> totally yeah but yeah I, I love this new version so in 2016 you started playing for keith urban how did you guys meet up so I had um, a band called Five Knives at the time. We were signed to Red Bull Records and it was an EDM punk thing and um, night and day from Keith Urban. So, um, but in that band, I played keys and I launched all these samples. Um, I ran our tracks, I played guitar. So I was kind of doing all this crazy stuff and I, that's how I learned to do it, you know? And um, I got a call out of the blue from a producer friend of mine here in town named Jesse Frazier. And he said, man, Keith's bass player just called me and they're looking for a guy that does all the things you do. Can you recommend anyone? And I was like, yeah, me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, what do you mean recommend somebody else? I'm like, you know, let me talk to him. And then, um, but part of me was like, I'm not very country. 
I didn't grow up, you know, I grew up in North Carolina and Virginia, but like I, I never was like a hardcore country fan except for old stuff like Willie and Waylon and that kind of stuff. So um, I sort of was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm qualified, you know, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this. And so um, they basically said, just come out and watch a show with us and see what you think. And when I got there and I saw him perform and I saw 25,000 people going crazy and like just the stage presence he has. And for me watching them, I was like, oh, this is just a rock band. This is what I do. I know how to do this. Yeah. So it's, I could see myself in the picture then fitting in, you know, and he's such an entertainer and such a good writer and singer and, and guitar player. He's unbelievable. So um, I wanted to be in the band right when I saw that show. Totally. And I mean, I've heard so many people say that Keith's probably one of the nicest people in the industry. Would you agree to that as someone that works with him Absolutely. on the daily? So sweet. And so kind to anyone that works for him and our families, like he just treats everyone with respect and uh, he's the least diva rock star ever. He's awesome. So yeah. Wow. So you said you already were working on something in your band that kind of made played samples and stuff is that what developed into your instrument that you made called the phantom yeah yeah exactly so um when i got the gig uh with keith i you know I'm, i was moving from smaller shows to big arenas and big huge festivals and i'm like what's gonna make me different what's gonna make me stand out and what's gonna give people in the top row of an arena the visual that they can look down and see what i'm doing you know because it's not very exciting for me to just push buttons up there and nobody knows what's, you know, it's like a DJ. I'm like, I think you're playing that. I'm not sure, but you know, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's where I kind of came up with the Phantom, uh, the idea of the computer screen and it faces the crowd. And so, and it lights up when I touch the buttons. And so what I do is sample parts of his record, for instance, right. like on the fighter, I'm actually playing that banjo part with my left hand and then I'm playing a keyboard pad with my right hand. That's so awesome. it's, that's all happening live there and it's not synced up to anything. It's literally just me. If I'm late, I'm late. So it's not, you know, so um, it's actually more kind of more drumming than anything because I'm on beat, you know, hitting these things. And so um, it just makes it fun. It makes it him able to not have to stick to a track and like the same arrangement every night. If he wants to solo longer, he can. Um, so it's really makes the band versatile. I'm sure that comes in handy a lot too with uh, Keith's Ripcord album when you guys are doing songs off of that. That probably has some of your EDM influences that you were using. Do you use your uh, Phantom a lot during songs off of that album in particular? Yeah, absolutely. Anything that's got like more pop leaning stuff and more samples, um, that seems to be what I play the Phantom on the most. Um, and I've been trying to incorporate it too in my... Uh, like he lets us all do a solo in the show. And so I've been trying to like come up with ways to incorporate that with my singing solo as well. You know? Totally. Um, after all these years being on the road with Keith, do you have a favorite song in the set that like you still get hyped for every night? Like, yes, this one's coming up. You know, I still, I love the old stuff a lot because I get to play guitar and go crazy on it. So it's more rock and roll for me. Oh, and, sick. Um, so like Days Go By, for instance, is one every time that's coming up. It starts out with that dot 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 just punk, and I'm like, all right, I love this. So, um, yeah, I love those old songs. Wasted time is a new one, or you know, off Ripcord, and it's um, 
I play the Phantom on it, but that's such a good song. I, I like the crowd's reaction on that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, so much of the set is fun to play. Totally. In 2017, you were nominated for the CMA uh, Touring Musician of the Year. What was your reaction to even be nominated and then end up winning? I thought it was a joke. I was like, I woke up one morning to all these texts and they're like, congratulations, you were nominated. And I'm like, what, how? Like, what? You know, I've never been a sideman ever. I've, I've always had my own bands and my own record deals and my own, I was the front man. And, you know, I, I'm not some virtuoso player, I, you know, and I, I, I literally was like, this can't be real, you know? And so then they're like, um, are you going to the event? And I'm like, no. Like, you know, it's like, it's like being nominated um, for a Grammy next to Beyonce. You're like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go because, you know, to go to lose, you know. So um, they talked me into it and I, I went and uh, I was sitting out there when the category came up and they announced my name and I nearly died. And my speech, I was so nervous. My, my voice was shaking. I was so nervous. Like, I can get up in front of 30,000 people, but I couldn't do that you know, in a small room. It's, it's funny how music is like that. You know, when you're used to playing, it's, it's weird having to talk instead of play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a totally different animal. And I mean, aside from all this, you're also a mega songwriter in the country industry, along with your brother. You had three songs on uh, Steven Tyler's debut into country music. And I even saw on your Instagram, you were in the room with him while he was cutting vocals. And I'm sure yeah. you looked up to Steven like doing rock music yourself. What was it like to watch like a rock icon perform his vocals right in front of you? He, what, I mean, you talk about nervous. Like, you know, I'm running Pro Tools recording a legend standing next to me, you know, and he's doing those little vocal things he does that yeah, 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 stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, this is Steven Tyler. So yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, we had sat in the room and, and written for several days in a row. So I had at least been around him enough to my nerves had calmed down some, but like it was tracking his because he moves really fast too. So like, you know, inevitably your computer does that little color wheel it's like thinking and stalling and I'm like, Oh, the God. ball of death. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the color wheel of death. And so I'm like, I'm like, dude, don't do this right now. You know, but uh, we got through it and it was amazing. And I think the vocals I did actually, um, I sent them to T-Bone Burnett and that made the record, I think. So on one of the songs, but. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. When you're engineering for someone like Steven Tyler, do you even interject and be like, I, I think you're a little early on that one, Steve, or you just kind of let him go. I do. You have to, but kind of very um, nicely and very like Mr. Tyler, sir. Yeah, I'll be like, dude, would you mind um, going, give me three more takes or do you feel okay? You need water? You good? Like, you know, yeah, I'm a lot kinder, I think. That's so funny. So yeah. kind of to wrap up the interview, I always like to ask my guests what their advice is to the younger musicians who wants to be in your shoes in the next couple of years. Man, you know, I, I would say the, the biggest thing is is just sticking to it. Like, you know, I've, I've been dropped from four record deals. I've been dropped from two publishing deals. Um, you know, I've, every time you think, oh, this is the one, we're gonna make it, we're gonna do, and then something hits you like a truck and you're like, yeah, I thought that was it. Or maybe I should do something else. You know, I, I've thought that over and over and over. Um, but I just am too stubborn and love music too much to, to stop. So I just kept putting in the time and the work and the hours. And 
you know, they say that 10,000 hour thing, you know, about um, being good at something. And for me, it's, it's been like that times 10, 100,000 hours is what it's taken me. And so I feel like putting time in your craft, not giving up. And um, even on days when you don't feel like doing it, you know, whether it's writing or playing or practicing or, you know, whatever you can do to prepare you for it. Um, I, I think that's, that's probably what I would tell anybody who's, who's either starting out or, or stuck in a spot. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Nathan Barlow. Nathan, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at Bummerman. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with session drummer and member of the band Friendship Commanders, Jerry Rowe. I want to give a thank you to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of Starting Small Music. Go check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. Also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.